Okay, let's turn to Second uh, Timothy two. Second Timothy two. Second Timothy two. We started this uh, subject a few weeks ago. We're going to continue along these lines. How tragedy can come into your life and how to avoid it. Part two. So this is part two of how tragedy can come into your life and how to avoid it. Second Timothy 2, 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Uh, we'll just briefly review uh, our what we talked about last time. We began to lay a foundation along this line uh, concerning the uh, the things and the the various avenues that give Satan an open door into our lives. And the first uh, thing we began to talk about is wrong beliefs. Having wrong beliefs can invite Satan into your life and give him an open door to bring calamity and destruction. Um, we talked about how people who hold on to wrong beliefs can unknowingly open the door and invite uh, the enemy into their lives. There are things that have been believed and accepted about God uh, among Christians that are not true. Uh, let's look at verse 25 there where it says, um, those that oppose themselves, those that oppose themselves. In the Living Bible, it says, those who are mixed up concerning the truth. Those who are mixed up concerning the truth. Is it possible for born-again, tongue-talking Christians to be mixed up concerning the truth? Well, evidently, it is possible because that's exactly uh, what Paul is writing to Timothy about. Apparently, there were Christians who were mixed up concerning the truth. And that's why Paul is writing uh, to Timothy and he's addressing uh, this problem and he's instructing Timothy on how to handle it. Uh, we talked about one of the widely accepted unscriptural beliefs people have about God uh, is when they make the statement that God is sovereign. And what they mean by this statement, when they say God is sovereign, they say everything's up to God. God decides uh, who's saved, who, who's not saved. 
God decides who's healed and who's not healed. God decides who's rich and who's poor. And, and, and God's in control of everything and everybody. And it's all up to him. And this is not true. This is not true. It's a popular doctrine because it makes for a religion of convenience. Everything's up to God. Whatever happens, it's not my fault. If something happens, it must have been the will of God. If something doesn't happen, it must not have been the will of God. And we talked about how do Christians come to the place where they accept these unscriptural beliefs about God. And we talked about one of the primary reasons for this is a failure to rightly divide the Word of God. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, right here in the same chapter, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we, we talked about how when you deviate from God's word, you get into error. And all error is the result of not rightly dividing the word. We talked about how it, this uh, phrase, rightly dividing, in the Greek means to cut a straight line. And as long as you're cutting a straight line, uh, you're not deviating from it. But once you begin to deviate from that straight line, you're no longer going straight. You're, you're off out somewhere else now. And, and, and the way we apply that to the Word of God, when you begin to deviate from God's Word and you begin to accept beliefs that are unscriptural and you begin to take Scripture out of context, now you're getting off out into error. Once you begin to deviate from the truth of God's Word. And so this is how people come to accept these unscriptural ideas about God and it usually happens over a period of time because Satan is very subtle and tricky. If he just suddenly presented you with something strange, you would probably reject it. But if gradually, uh, over periods of years and years, and little comments here and little statements here and what you've heard in church and what your parents said and what your grandparents said, all these things begin to add up and they begin to form your beliefs and so uh, so and, and people fail to examine them according to the scriptures and that's how people get off accepting these unscriptural ideas about God um, they get passed down from one generation to the next just because we heard something in church doesn't mean that it's true just because we heard our parents and grandparents Tell us something doesn't mean it, it's necessarily true. So everything happening in the earth is not the plan of God and not the will of God. Uh, God in his sovereignty has given us a free will and the right to choose. We looked at uh, Deuteronomy 28 concerning God said, uh, he said, here are the blessings, here are the curses. And he said, if you keep my word, all these blessings shall come upon you. And if you don't keep my word, 
all the curses will come upon you. And in Deuteronomy 30, he said, I'm giving you a choice. So God, if God's telling us, I'm giving you a choice, that means it's not God's choice. Who's rich, who's poor, who's blessed, who's cursed. And it also means that it's not automatic. It's not automatic who's blessed, and it's not automatic who's cursed. Uh, it's conditional. So, uh, so it's conditional on our choice. If God says, I'm giving you a choice, then it's our choice. And so, um, so in that respect, is God sovereign? No. Uh, in his sovereignty, he's given us his word. He has bound himself to his word. And he has given us a free will to choose. So, Yes, God is omnipotent, and he is all-knowing, but in his sovereignty, he has given us a choice. So today, let's look at another uh, widely held unscriptural belief that can invite tragedy and open the door for Satan to come in. Another uh, widely held belief that, that people have is that God is the destroyer? Is God the destroyer? No. Most of us in here, or all of us in here, we would say, of course he's not the destroyer. But I can tell you there are millions of Christians out there that are confused about this. They will tell you their personal experiences. They will tell you their friends' personal experiences. And as far as they're concerned, that's enough evidence for them. You know, I don't care what the Bible says. This is what happened to me, and this is what happened to my friend, you know. And they come to the conclusion that God is the destroyer by looking at external circumstances. And they come to this conclusion. And the problem with looking at external circumstances um, is is the fact that Satan has influence in this physical outside realm. And he can manipulate circumstances and he can set people up for trouble. And um, so, so uh, that's what we're talking about. What does he use? How can we avoid it? So uh, because Satan is involved in this natural world and he can manipulate things, that's why we can't go by outward evidence to conclude what the will of God is. Uh, in the Old Testament, the mentality was, if God allowed it, it's the same as if he did it. In the Old Testament, they had no revelation about Satan. They thought everything that happened God caused it, whether it was good, whether it was bad, God was behind it. And unfortunately, there are many New Testament believers today that have the same mentality and the same attitude. And one of the major points we brought out in the last meeting was, you must take everything you believe and you must examine it according to the scriptures. And if it doesn't line up with the scriptures, it needs to go. It needs to go. 
So let's turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. Now this is one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible. These are the words of Jesus himself. And here Jesus personally tells us where destruction comes from, who's the source of destruction, and who's the source of good. And this should, this should settle the question once for all. The words of Jesus should settle this question once for all. Uh, Jesus refers to Satan as a thief and a destroyer, not the facilitator of God's will on the earth. If Satan was an agent of God to carry out the will of God in the earth, this was the perfect place for Jesus to clarify that and to settle this question once and for all. Uh, but yet there are millions of Christians who are still confused about who's the good guy and who's the destroyer. Uh, in the easy to read translation, this verse says, I came to give life, life that is full and good. Life that is full and good. Uh, the Bible is very simple. The truth is very simple to understand, but Satan, through religious tradition, has complicated the Bible, uh, and he's complicated the truth, and, and he has successfully brought confusion to many people. Now this word destroy in verse 10 primarily means to ruin, to ruin something. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but you can jot down Revelation 9.11. Revelation 9.11, we have a reference to an agent of Satan. It says, and they, this is referring to um, events in, that are going to take place uh, during the tribulation on the earth, which, which happens after we have been taken out of here and we're in heaven. There are going to be events taking place down here on the earth called the Great Tribulation, and this verse is part of that. And it says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Now in the English, this word Apollyon means the destroyer. Apollyon the destroyer is the angel of the bottomless pit or the angel of the abyss or the uh, destroyer from the abyss depending on which translation you're reading. So this mentions an agent of Satan as being the destroyer. And if Satan, if he can't steal from you as a thief and he can't get you to surrender 
or give up what you're believing for and everything that's dear to you, if he's not successful at that point, he will settle for trying to ruin what you do have. And that's what he's talking about here. To destroy primarily means to ruin. Now let's uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Um, here in, in verse 1, Paul is speaking to the first generation of Israelites who came out uh, of Egypt. And in verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Then verse 5 he says, But with many of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, murmuring and complaining is also another door that we can open to invite the enemy into our life. Now the word destroyer in this verse is a different Greek word, but it means the same thing. It, it means a ruiner, especially a venomous serpent. Someone who ruins, especially a venomous serpent. Now this could not be talking about God. There's no way this could be talking about God. When tragedies happen, is God the destroyer or did Satan have an open door to come in and destroy? That's what we're talking about. Now in the case above, when the Israelites murmured and complained against God, they opened the door for Satan the destroyer to come in. And that's what Paul is writing to believers about saying, don't do what they did. He says here um, that these things were examples. Uh, these things were, are been recorded. Verse 6, these things are our examples that we should not lust after evil things as they, as they lusted, that we shouldn't do what they did to open the door for the enemy to come into their lives and bring destruction. But too often, God has left life He's, he's left looking like the killer. Unfortunately, small children grow up believing that God killed their father or their mother. Their lives are ruined not only by the fact that they've lost a loved one, but they're ruined by the fact that they grow up all their lives bitter and angry about God and having the wrong ideas about God that are not true. They grow up to be bitter and angry at God when actually they've been deceived by the enemy. Now just turn a few pages over to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Verse 3. Paul says, But I fear 
lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now again, Paul is talking to born-again, tongue-talking Christians. And he didn't say anything about the devil being so powerful that he will just come in and run over you and destroy him at his will. He didn't say anything about that. He said, I'm concerned that Satan will deceive you. I'm concerned that he will deceive you and he will lead you away from the simplicity of God's word, just like he did Eve, into a place of confusion. And that's what he's, he's addressing. When people try to explain tragedy, instead of taking the word of God at face value, that Satan is the thief and Satan is the destroyer and God is the deliverer and he's the source of all good, instead of doing that, they begin to try to explain it using external circumstances. And instead of just being honest and say, I don't know. That's, that's, the, that's the best answer. I don't know. Instead of making up some kind of unscriptural uh, accusations against God. And the reason people often do this is, is they're, just, uh, they're just trying to provide some kind of an answer that will satisfy these people They'll get on their way, and they'll just get on with it, and they'll stop asking questions. So because they don't know, they just make up some false accusation against God. Uh, people will consider their own personal experience. They'll consider somebody else's experience. They, they consider what they've been taught in church, and they become confused, and the devil leads them away from the simplicity of God's Word. Parents are told uh, by confused people that God took their baby, uh, you know, because he needed another angel in the choir or he needed another flower in heaven. That is completely unscriptural. Babies don't turn into flowers when they go to heaven. They don't turn into angels when they go to heaven. Neither do adults. This is just hogwash, and people accept it because they don't know the Word of God either. And this is how they're deceived into forming these wrong beliefs about God because the people doing the explaining don't know the Word, and the people that need the answers don't know the Word either. So, these people wind up believing that everything that happens in life is the will of God, and it's not true. And if you don't know what God said in his word, you are open to accepting anything. And, and uh, being deceived and ex accepting anything and everything in your life is the will of God. And this is not true. Now let's turn over to the book of Job, which is right before Psalms. Job. When the subject of... Christian suffering and tragedy comes up. One of the favorite examples, religious people like to 
turn to is Job. <laughs> so let's look at Job. Let's, we're not going to cover this whole, you know, this whole book, but we're just going to look at a few highlights here, which is enough right now. Here in the book of Job, chapter 1, Satan approaches God. And um, Satan says, you made Job rich. And God's, God just smiled and says, yes, I sure did. I made him rich. And Satan said, well, the only reason he honors and respects you is because you made him rich. And if you take away his wealth and you destroy everything he has, he will curse you and turn on you. And God says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to touch him. He is already in your hands. Now, if God was the one that brought this destruction on Job, there's no reason to tell Satan he's already in your hands. So that right there tells us God had nothing to do with this. Now, let's look at chapter 2. Verse 7. So they had this, Satan had this conversation with God. God said, no, I'm not going to put my hand against him. He's already in your hands. So in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job. Now what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Right there. I thought, I mean, I've always heard that God smote Job with boils. I've always heard that God smote Job and he caused his suffering and he killed his kids and he destroyed everything he had. What does it say? So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job. Now, folks, you cannot get any plainer than this. This tells us exactly who, who came against, who attacked Job, and who brought suffering to his body, who destroyed his family and all of his possessions. The Bible tell us, tells us clearly it was Job, it was Satan. It says he smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. So why do millions of Christians accuse God for Job's tragedy? It tells us right here, Satan went from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils. I mean, you can't get any plainer than that. Now, Let's look back at chapter 1, a few verses there. How did, how did, uh, what did, what did Satan use? Well, he used wicked people, and he used the elements of nature to destroy all that Job had. And he's still doing the same thing today. He uses wicked people and the elements of nature, primarily two major sources of destruction at that Satan has influence in. Verse 13, or verse uh, 15, it tells us uh, the Sabaeans 
fell upon them, wicked people. He used the Sabaeans, verse 16, fire from heaven, which was probably lightning. Verse 17, the Chaldeans, more wicked people. Verse 19, a great wind, which was probably a cyclone or a tornado. These were Satan's, Satan's agents of destruction. So let's see, how did this turn out? Turn over to the end of the book, Job 42. Job 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Who turned his captivity? The Lord. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, if God is the one that destroyed all that Job had, and then he turns around in chapter 42 and he restores all that Job had, then God was... Uh, fighting against himself. That, and this is where people get confused. They, they make it out as if God was this, the destroyer and the deliverer. All, in, all, in the, all the same. They say God destroyed all Job had. Then in verse 30, 42, he restored all he had. If that was the case, God would have been fighting against himself. And that is impossible. It's not possible that God would fight against himself. That's not possible. God is the deliverer, not the destroyer. Is everybody clear on that? Amen? Now, we're not going to turn to all these scriptures, but I'll just mention them so you can jot them down. These are scriptures that tell us God is the deliverer. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Galatians 1.4 Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us, he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. Proverbs 11.8 The righteous is delivered out of trouble. 2 Peter 2.9 The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. This is the will, the purpose, and the plan of God for our lives that we be delivered and He is the deliverer. Now, most of you have probably heard uh, uh, about Oral Roberts, something, you know, you know a, a good bit about his life. Uh, as far as I can remember, he was the first preacher in my lifetime to preach that God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. And folks, that was a strange message. When he first came out, when he first came out preaching that, that, that was strange. People were not used to hearing that in church, that God is a good God and the devil's a bad devil. 
and he was criticized for it. But this man lost two of his three children to tragedy. But yet, he, as long as he continued to preach, he still kept preaching, God is a good God. Amen? He was not confused, even though he personally lost two of his three children to tragedy. He knew that God is a good God, and the devil's a bad devil. So God's not the destroyer. Satan is the destroyer. Amen? Now, let's look at another door to tragedy. Number two, a lack of knowledge of God's word and how to apply it to the circumstances of life. A lack of knowledge of God's word and how to apply it to the circumstances of life. Let's turn to uh, Hosea 4. It's over toward the end of the Old Testament. Hosea 4, verse 6. This is a familiar scripture. Hosea 4, 6. find it here my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge now we've already identified from the scripture who's the destroyer haven't we we just spent 30 40 minutes talking about who's the destroyer from the scriptures he says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We've already decided, we've already identified who's the destroyer. And if you go on to read this entire verse, and you get the context of it, God is speaking to the priest. Or today you'd say the preachers. So God's speaking to the preachers in this verse. And in the Living Bible, this is what this, is what this verse says. My people are destroyed because they don't know me and it's all your fault. Now that's pretty strong, isn't it? He's speaking directly to the preachers. My people don't know me and it's all your fault. Now, could that still be true today? Daddy, Daddy. I, Tuesday, we went to a funeral yesterday and the girl who died was lovely and she had not been shown the truth that God is good and she should trust him. And I got very, very down yesterday because of it, because she should not have died. It's terrible, isn't it? It's absolutely terrible. I mean, it, it just it just grieves. I know it grieves God. It that it grieved your spirit, didn't it? It grieved your spirit. It, it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing, and that's why we're having this meeting. That's why we're having this meeting to teach people. Um, you know, I I don't know that you could. It would be fair to say that it's. It's completely the preacher's fault, but certainly when you look at the overall, um, because we have, a, we have a free will as well. 
you know, we have a responsibility to get in the Word and be taught. We have a responsibility to get where the Word's being taught and be instructed in the things of God. So we also have a responsibility. So you can't say it's entirely uh, the, the preacher's fault, but certainly if you look at the general overall condition spiritual condition in the body of Christ, you would have to say it certainly begins in the pulpit. It certainly has to begin in the pulpit. Now what people do with it themselves, that's between, that's between them and God. They have a responsibility, but it certainly has to begin in the pulpit. And as long as Satan can keep Christians ignorant of the Word of God and how to apply it in their lives, they unknowingly keep the door open to Satan and they invite him to bring calamity and disaster and defeat and failure into their lives. Now, uh, let's turn to 2 Peter. We'll just briefly look at 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. There's the phrase, through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. There it is again. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we see that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of God. We've been given exceeding great and precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature. How? Through the knowledge of Him. And thirdly, we having escaped the corruption in the world. How? Through the knowledge of Him. Verse 4 in the easy to read version says, so you will escape the ruin, isn't that what we've been talking about? Destruction, ruin, that you will escape the ruin that comes to people in the world. That's what we're talking about. How, how can we, uh, uh, what avenues is Satan using to bring ruin into people's lives and how can we avoid it? One way is through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of God's Word. That's what he's telling us here. A lack of knowledge of the Word is a major reason that destruction comes into people's lives. Now, we're, we're not going through these uh, in any particular order. There's no rank of importance really to these. We're just going through them. But I, I listed a lack of knowledge as number two reason. We, we said wrong beliefs we covered first. I listed lack of knowledge as number two, but 
if we were going to go by importance, lack of knowledge would probably be number one because that's probably the most common reason that uh, Satan gets a foothold into people's lives is through a lack of knowledge and deception. Uh, a person cannot believe beyond their knowledge of God's word. You couldn't believe me beyond your knowledge of what I said. I couldn't believe you if I didn't know what you said. So people can't believe God if they don't know what he said. Uh, without the knowledge of God, you will believe things that you've heard in religious circles, and you will accept them about God, uh, you know, that he's, he's bringing tragedy to teach you something and make you stronger, and this is not true. It's error. It's, it's error. And a lack of knowledge of the word is also connected to having these wrong beliefs. All these things we're going to talk about in some way or another are connected to a lack of knowledge of God's word. People, how do people get these wrong beliefs? A lack of knowledge of the word. If you know what the scriptures say, when you hear somebody say something, you immediately know that's not true. You, you, have, you know in your heart that's not true. That's why it's so important to have a foundation of the word of God. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge of God to our circumstances. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge of God to our circumstances. But we've got to have the knowledge of God to begin with. So, that's what we're doing. You know, people say, well, I don't understand these faith people. They just talk victory all the time, and they say they have things that they don't really have. Well, I can explain it. What we're doing, we're applying the principles of faith, and we're applying the wisdom of God to our circumstances. That's what we're doing. It's not difficult to understand. A lack of knowledge causes you to accept things that you thought God sent that he had nothing to do with. God was not responsible for it. The devil sent it. And some say, well, God allowed the devil to do it. No, we allowed the devil to do it. James 4, 7 says, you resist the devil and he will flee from you. Matthew 18, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. And Luke 10, 19, he said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. He's given us authority on the earth. And if you believe God is allowing all of this, you're opening the door to Satan and you're inviting calamity into your life because Satan operates primarily through deception. God has given us his word, his name, his blood, and his authority. And part of this lack of knowledge includes a gross amount of ignorance about our authority as a believer. That, that's a huge lack of knowledge. That, that people don't know they have authority on this earth. Everything doesn't just happen. And God's not just allowing everything on the earth to happen. It's not his will. It's not his plan. Hallelujah. 
Let's look at a third, a third door that invites tragedy. We'll just look at one more today. Number three is fear. Fear is a common uh, cause of tragedy. Satan uses to bring tragedy into people's life. Uh, let's turn back to Job again. I should have had you stay there, hold a place, but Job is right before Psalms. So we'll just go back to Job briefly. What happened to Job was actually a combination of a lack of knowledge and fear. A lack of knowledge and fear is how Satan got a foothold in Job's life. Um, because of a lack of knowledge and because Satan was able to deceive him, Job made 74 false accusations against God. Now, these were statements about God that were not true. Now, we can't be too critical about Job because he had some real disadvantages. In the time that he lived in, he had some real disadvantages. Number one, he did not have a Bible. We know that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. This happened before the law of Moses, before there was even a Genesis and an Exodus, and the, before the first five books of the Bible were even written. This, was, this happened to Job. So Job didn't have a Bible to turn to. He did know enough about God to know that God's the one that blessed him and gave him everything he had. But that's about, that was the extent of his knowledge about God. He knew God had blessed him and made him rich. Number two, he had no knowledge about Satan. As a matter of fact, here in chapter 1 of Job is the first time in the Bible that Satan is mentioned by name. So, so Job had no revelation about uh, Satan. Number three, Satan had all the authority in the earth. He had all the authority. How did he get it? Adam gave it to him. Adam gave it to him, and he knew he had it. He knew it belonged to him, and that's why he was so confident and so cocky in his attitude with God when they're discussing Job here in chapter 1. He knew he had the right to rule this earth, and he was strutting around all cocky about it when he's talking to God. And, and he had that authority till Jesus came and paralyzed him. Number four, Job was not born again, and he had no authority over Satan. So even if he had known anything about Satan, he still didn't have any authority over him. So Job had the Old Testament mentality that everything that happens came from God. And unfortunately, many New Testament believers today have the same attitude Everything that happens comes from God, and it is not true. And I'm telling you, it's an open door for the devil to come in and, and steal, kill, and destroy. Here in chapter 1 of Job, verse 21. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I know Peter is a Western film fan, and I'm a Western film fan, and if you've ever watched either John Wayne or Jimmy Stewart or Randolph Scott or any of the Western films or television programs, you have probably heard this scripture quoted at least once. Every time they have a funeral in one of these old Western films, the cowboys are all gathered around the grave, maybe a few family members there, and you will almost always hear this verse of scripture quoted. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And they put their caps, hats back on and they ride off. <laughs> now, unfortunately, many people still believe this. It's true Job made this statement, but it was not a true statement. He believed it to be true. He believed God's the one that took from him, but it was not true. He was saying what many people today say. The Lord took it away, so who am I to fight against it? That's basically what they're saying. The truth is, fear opened the door for the destroyer to come into Job's life and bring tragedy. Look, just turn the page there, chapter 3, verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared is coming upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. The Common English Bible says, because I was afraid of something awful, and it arrived, what I dreaded came to me. The ISV says, For the dreaded thing that I feared has happened to me. What caused me to worry has engulfed me. The New Living Translation says, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come to true. Fear is a spiritual force that works like a magnet. It draws things to you that you fear and you do not desire. In the opposite way that faith is a spiritual force that draws the thing to you that you do desire. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Fear is the substance of things dreaded. And, and they, they work like a magnet and they draw these things to you. Now the wisdom of God has to do with the future and the plan of God. And it was not the plan of God for Job's kids to fall away from God, for them to be killed, and for him to lose all of his fortune and all of his possession. That was not the will and the plan of God for Job. The wisdom of God would have said, I brought my kids up in the word of God and the ways of God. And even if they do go off track, God has his hands on them. He'll bring labors across their path and he'll bring them into the kingdom of God. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now that would have been the wisdom of God. But instead of doing that, he got into fear that his children were going off the track, that they would go away from God, and he began to talk it. 
He began to talk his fear, and he became greatly uh, developed in fear. And the more he talked about fear, the more it stopped his faith, and it stopped the wisdom of God from operating in his life. Verse 26 says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. The truth is, Job was in safety. He was in safety. God had put a hedge of blessing and protection around him. That's the first thing that Satan came to God and spoke to him about. He said, you put a hedge of blessing and protection around this man, and I can't get to him. And, and that's, that was the truth. He was in safety. But when he got into fear about his children, and, he be, and it says he continually offered these sacrifices before God in an attempt to make amends for what his children were doing wrong, for their bad living. And so, um, so, so he did have a hedge of protection around him, but when he got into fear, he tore that hedge down. He tore that hedge down, and the devil got in through fear. That's what we're talking about. Fear is an open door um, that allows Satan to come in and destroy. He, he talked his fear, and he was no longer in faith about his kids. God is not the destroyer. He did not cause the tragedy that came into Job's life. Job unknowingly opened the door to Satan and invited the tragedy to come in. Job was in safety. He, he said he was not in safety. <laughs> he said he was not in safety. The principles of fear and disaster and defeat were set into motion. And they produced the very thing that he feared. Amen?